Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Somebody asked in the week, we had this, on Tuesday, somebody said to me, one of the staff team members, so what's the vision for the evening service? Why do we do this evening th- service anyway? And I kind of was like, oh, a bit back foot, really. And I said, to be honest with you, my vision for it is that um, I, if I could do it in my house, in my lounge, and a bunch of us all just get together, and we looked at the Bible, and we said, what's the, what do I think God's saying? And be able to bring that, then I'd do it. But the thing is, you wouldn't all fit in the lounge. So everything else we do is great, but that's the, is, this is not meant to be um, like the other things that we do. This is meant to be a time, and I believe that part of what my job is to do, is to inject something into the culture of the church. And that happens prophetically. It's like I do believe part of what I'm supposed to do is to be able to have time with God and listen to him, and then, and then to be able to get a whisper from heaven, to get a sound from heaven, get, get something from heaven, and to inject it into the culture. And I can't do that across all of the different sites. And so sometimes what I have to do is just believe, even by voicing it and speaking it out here in the evenings, it puts something into the body. It's like an injection that goes into the body of Christ that's called ivy, that's here, and it goes in, and it will make a difference in the end. And I believe that's what these evenings are about. And so I knew, all I knew at the beginning of the year was that God told me to speak about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. And that's all I've been doing. Until he tells me to speak about something else, that's what I'm going to continue to do. And then as I was doing, because, I mean, basically, I, I, most of my job is about doing my best to hear God and doing what he says. That's always what Christians are meant to do, isn't it? And uh, that's pretty simple. But then for tonight, as I was preparing, it was like I felt that God was starting to give me a word for the church for now, as we're moving on into this next season. And it is a new season. And it's not autumn, actually. That's what we might think it is. Naturally speaking, that's the season. But do you know it's possible to have naturally one thing happening, and in God there's a completely different thing happening? So I'm going to talk a little bit and mention a couple of other things to do with seasons. But first of all, I want to say to you, Shana Tova. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Because did you know that it's New Year this weekend? From the sunset of September the 20th through to sunset on Friday the 22nd, the Jewish people mark the Jewish New Year, Rosh Hashanah. They celebrate the beginning, the creation of the world, the whole new beginning. It's the, and it, and they, first of all, they use it as a time to reflect on the old and on the old life. But then it's also known as the Feast of Trumpets because it's such a powerful time of celebration for them. That's what it's meant to be, a time of celebration. You know, we have New Year's parties, don't we? Well, this is what it's meant to be. Shofar, you know, that, the, the trumpet, the shofar, however they say it, one of those great big things. They blow that. How many times do you think they blow it? I'll tell you, how many times they blow it? A hundred times. I mean, I've heard those things. They're annoying. <laughs> you know, when somebody gets one of those out, it's like, oh, great, somebody's got a shofar. Have you ever been in one of those kind of meetings? <laughs> oh, good, they brought the shofar. It's like, oh, it was holy, that was good, that was it. Don't do it again. 
and like, can you imagine being in something 100 times? And they bring out of it, apparently, they try and get 300 sounds out of it. I don't know how that works, because it all just sounds the same to me. When they blow that thing, it's like, that's all it is. But it's meant to be, the idea is, God is releasing a new sound from heaven, and because it's a new year. And I think that's what's happening here. At Ivy. I think we're about to transition from one season into another, from what has been into what is being and what is God is bringing into being. So there's going to be a new sound, new vision, new hope, new healings, new gifts, new callings, new anointings, new provision, new creative works coming from heaven to us. New music, new art. God wants us to catch what he's sending. Are you up for that? No, not by the sounds of it. Are you up for that? I hope so, because this sound from heaven, it can sound like a trumpet, or it can sound like a still small voice, or it can sound like the, the roar of rushing waters, and it can be loud like the chauffeur, and it, could be, it can be quiet. The, what matters is, do you have ears to hear? Are you positioned to listen? That's what matters. So, who's a, who likes to run here? Anybody? Some of us are runners. I've got back into it recently and um, a few years ago I did a half marathon and this is what kind of came to mind as well as I was, as I was thinking and praying about it. This kind of phrase came to mind and the way I can best describe it, I was doing a half marathon and at just about 10 miles I was dying on my feet. I was like, what am I doing? Somebody shoot me. That guy's, you know, it was just bad. And I had nothing left going on in me. And I remember looking at my watch, and it was like, and I'd actually done about, as I say, 10 miles. And it was, I don't know what it was, probably way too much lactic acid going everywhere and nothing to help me. And then suddenly it was like, change. And I was like, I've only got three miles left. And I went from, oh no, I've done 10 miles, to, I've only got three miles left. And and it was this switch that took place and I, I raced home. Those last three miles were the best three miles, the fastest three miles, the strongest three miles. I was like flying and it finished and I was like, is that it? I felt like I could run another couple of miles at the end of it. I was like, I didn't even, I didn't even use half of this body. I was like, I was ready to do another lap. I was feeling like, this is amazing. There's a phrase, isn't there, second wind. This is what I'm wanting to bring in, and I believe God is wanting to bring in, right now, get ready for a second wind. It's like when you get the second wind, you suddenly get the strength, you suddenly get the energy to continue, and it isn't even that much effort, actually, because it's not you that's doing it, when it's God doing it. I believe that's another part, something God wants to impart to us tonight if we're ready to receive that. The second wind, the fresh wind of the Holy Spirit, the inspiration to stay the course, to get that, breathe in that second wind for the next season that he's got for us in this year of acceleration because God doesn't want to slow things down. And while the world around us worries and wonders and has got a lot to worry and wonder about, God has got what we need. He's got what you need for September, more than enough for October, Everything for November blows to spare for December. Does anybody believe this is true? Hebrews 12 says, Let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us, 
fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, the author and perfecter of our faith. That's like he started it, he'll finish it. He'll get you round the course. So focus, it's all about focus. Don't look at the person on your left and compare with them. Don't look at, them, at how far you've come. Don't even look how far you've got to go. Fix your eyes on Jesus. He got you started, he'll get you finished. 2017 is not done yet. And you're not done yet. We're not done yet. God's not done yet. Jesus is not done yet. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Somebody blow a trumpet. Come on. Whoever that was, don't do it again. <laughs> Jesus is cheering us on. He's, he's saying, keep going, keep going. There's a fresh wind coming from heaven. Everything that you've got, even when you feel tired. How many times did they walk around the walls of Jericho? Seven times. Archaeologists say the walls were six feet thick 25 feet high and they were walking around we just sang actually so many things that are in here we've just sang about in the last little section I'm like oh come on God because you know, they must have been thinking I'm walking around these walls I'm walking around these walls walking around these walls and they kept on going they kept going according to the instructions if you remember the story they're like how are we going to get in here what are we going to do how can we win this battle and then it says that there's somebody stood in front of Joshua scared him to death and he's like who are you and he said I'm the commander of the Lord's army and now I've come like I'm the boss and and Joshua says what are you on our side are you on their side because I really want it on my side and he says basically I didn't come to take sides I've come to take over you're, you're going to do this my way and I want you to march round for six days and don't say a word. All the people. Now that's hard, isn't it? It's hard. You would think day three, you'd be like, am I allowed at least one grumble? It's been like three days. Four, day four, why hasn't the walls come down yet? Why the delay? Why, why has it got to be like this? And all the time, you can imagine the people on the walls of Jericho shouting at them and saying, what are you losers doing? What are you doing? Who's scared of you? You in whose army? Don't say anything. Save your voice. That's what you've been told to do. And you're like, yeah, but I'm using up, I might be saving my voice, but I'm using my physical <laughs> uh, strength here just to keep going, just to keep walking around. Surely I'm going to need to be fresh for the fight because sometime soon they're going to come out we're going to have a big fight and I'll be tired walking around these walls all the time and then finally here's what it says in Joshua 5.20 the priests blew the trumpets and when the people heard the blast of the trumpets they gave a shout like a thunderclap and the wall fell at once and the people rushed in straight into the city and took it see God did all of it. We want to do our bit, don't we? Help him out. He was like, just walk and be quiet. Just keep walking. 
be quiet. How about Elijah's servant? Do you remember that? Elijah's servant, so we know the story. 1 Kings 18, if you've got your Bible and you want to look at it. It's not rained for three years and it's your boss's fault because he prayed that it wouldn't rain and it has not rained for three years. And now, thank goodness, he's praying again. Praying for rain. Great, let's have some rain. How many times did he pray? Six times. Why didn't rain come first time? Second time, third time, fourth time? Why has he got to be six times? I don't know. Nothing's happening on the sixth time. And the servant's like, why don't we just move to Manchester? <laughs> but Elijah keeps on praying and he's got his head down. He says he put his head between his knees. Do you remember that? It's like, I'm not looking. I'm not looking. I'm praying. I'm seeing in the spirit here I'm not seeing what's naturally around me I'm seeing what God is doing and I'm asking God to do what only God can do and I'm not giving up and I'm not getting up till something changes and he's crying out to God and then keeping his head down he says to his servant right go and have a look he sends his servant seven times and the servant's like hmm and it's like blue sky, blue sky, blue sky, blue sky. It's lovely. It's beautiful everywhere. But then he says, hang on, what's that? He says, oh, I can actually. I can see a little tiny cloud. Size of a man's hand. How big is that? That big. Tiny little cloud. And he comes back and he says, I can see a little cloud. Just a tiny little cloud. Little fluffy, puffy, scruffy cloud. And Elijah says, get your wellies on. Get ready. I'm going to do something big. You don't, need a, you don't need a big sign. Some of us are waiting for a great big sign. You don't need a big sign. It can be a little cloud that big. And we press in and we press through and... God says, what I've begun, I've already done. The answer's already here. The answer's already come. So um, we're going to sing again before I come into the next bit, which that was like a prophetic thing I'm trying to go boom with. So let's just pray into that as the band come up. And what I want us to, to do, and if you're willing to join us, some people have been Christians longer than others here. Some are kind of, uh, would be used to this and more used to it than others, but that's all right. Everybody's kind of welcome just where, wherever you're at. But sometimes... You can get a word from God, you can weigh it, you can say, is that right for us? And also, is, that, is there something there that's right for me that I need to, to kind of draw into my heart? We can do that in worship best. So as we're going to sing, and at the same time, it could be that, that if we're talking about new songs, new things, that, that God will put a new song in your heart. And it could be over the top of the, the things that's been sung here, or together with it in harmony, that God will put something new in you. The Bible also talks about even speaking and singing in tongues, which is like God gives you a, a, a language you don't even know yet. And uh, it doesn't really even make sense to you, but it makes a, a beautiful noise to God. And it's really powerful. And it builds you up on the inside. So if that happens too during this time, then it's all just what we're here for. We're here for all of this. We're not just here to talk about them. We want to meet with Jesus. So uh, would you please stand and, uh, Lord, I thank you that I believe we're in a new season. In the middle of a year, if you like, in the, well, 
in this stepping into this new season is a happy new year you've got something for us here in September for these next few months and Lord we want to receive everything that you have for us please come and bring that second wind breathe that into us in this place and in this space Lord the words that I've said however uh, falteringly I've said them take that away but let your Holy Spirit come now and bring your truth into our hearts to, to shape and transform and do the work that only your word can do in our lives and in this church and through us into this city thank you Jesus so we're just going to be led by the spirit during this time come Holy Spirit just come Holy Spirit I need you breathe fresh breath from heaven second wind It's like when you've got the wind at your back and suddenly you, you're flying. That's what we pray for, Lord, that you would bring that second wind. <laughs> There's Christianity. It's a bit better than going to church, isn't it? How often do we think of that as being Christianity? That's what we're engaged in. That's what we're meant to be part of. That's what we're called to. It's this incredible cosmic battle. It's far more important than what's happening with North Korea and America and all these different things. That's like toy wars compared with the real stuff. We're part of something way bigger. And you know, our weapons are you know, prayer and worship. And you know, if we could see it, if we could actually recognise what is actually happening and the, the massive cosmic battle that we're part of. Um, and that's why I love, I love that film. Um, it's, one of my, it's my favourite one out of the whole of those Chronicles and Narnia ones, but I love that one. And uh, I, I, there's bits in it I cry my eyes out at. Because it's just, I'm like, oh, I was on a plane with Emma going to Canada years ago and, uh, and I'd seen it before but, and I cried at home but I was like, oh, I'm on the plane, not going to cry, I'm on the plane. But then there's that bit and you saw a little glimpse of it there when Edmund, who's the one who's messed up, screwed up, betrayed them all, done everything that he shouldn't have done, like the complete, why Edmund? But then at the end, he gets a throne, he gets a crown, he gets all these creatures bowing down to him and the declaration is made Edmund the Just. And it's like, he's not that. He's just an idiot. <laughs> it's like, no, he's been justified. It's just as if I'd never sinned, like that whole thing says. And he's, he's getting a crown. You know, no matter what, he's getting a crown. He's getting the robes. He's getting the victory procession. He's getting, he's part of it. I love that. And so if you've read the Chronicles of Narnia or even seen the film, you know what I mean when I say I believe Aslan is on the move. Right now, the king is on the move and he wants us to join him. In The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, you know there's a change that starts to take place in the landscape and it's because the real Lion King, Aslan, is there and is here now and he's steadily making his way through the land. And for a long time, Narnia has been under the rule of the evil witch, under a spell where it's always winter. And um, 
C.S. Lewis says he did write all of this as an allegory to help people to understand some spiritual realities as he saw them. And now you see there's these signs and stirrings that there's a higher power, a greater kingdom is, out, is now at work. And I think that's where we're at in this year of acceleration as a, as a church. And like I said before, the seasons of the king and the seasons of the kingdom don't necessarily align in any way with the seasons of the world or the seasons of Manchester. See, when we were down, it's like you're in a different place. We, I've just come in from uh, West Horsley, which was the place where I was before in Surrey. And um, it's, it's lovely and warm down there. <laughs> and uh, Zoe's mum and dad, who were sitting here, they used to come down and see us when we lived down here. And they'd say, wow, all, all your flowers are out. <laughs> like, we, haven't, we just got stumps. Oh, you know, a little stubby green thing starting to come through. But again, actually, it was sang before. In Song of Songs, chapter 2, we hear about Jesus coming for his bride. That's what the picture is for us. And he says, and he sings, something completely opposite of what the weatherman would say right, right now. See, we say summer's over. He says to you, if you'll receive it, see, the winter is past. The rains are over and gone Flowers appear on the earth. The season of singing has come. The cooing of the doves is heard in our land. The fig tree forms its early fruit. The blossoming, blossoming vines spread forth their fragrance. Arise, come my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. In Narnia, when Aslan's on the move, the ice starts to melt. Flowers and bulbs appear, the landscape's changing, and for those who'll notice it, for the king's subjects, rumours start to be spread from one person to another, or from one creature to another, because where the king walks, the kingdom comes. His kingdom comes. And the power of darkness is broken and is being pushed back. And so there's still a lot of snow. But the citizens aren't talking about the snow anymore. They're excited about what's coming about who's coming and it's getting louder and it's getting more frequent people are saying Aslan's on the move Aslan's on the move he's up to something and Aslan's followers are gathering to follow and fight for and with their king in Prince Caspian we hear when Aslan bears his teeth winter meets its death yes it's a great picture and I love it because week after week as I said in these Sunday evenings whenever I'm speaking I'm trying to think about the kingdom we're talking about the kingdom of God in fact everybody else is, who's speaking in these evenings is bringing something about the kingdom of heaven the kingdom of God because that's what we want to see and that's what we want to seek first is the kingdom of God so what does the kingdom of God invading the darkness look like in our church? What does it look like in your personal life? What does it look like in your, in your ministry, whatever your ministry is? What does it look like in your battle? Are you even aware you're in a battle? In case we're wondering why we get wounded. In case we're wondering why it's hard sometimes. You know, God didn't do it. We saw what happens there. We have a thief who comes to steal and kill and destroy and his name's not Jesus. He's the one who comes bringing life in all of this, this fullness. He's the lion of Judah. He's the one who fights for you. He's the one who defends you. Don't let the enemy tell you God's your enemy. What could a new year in the spirit and a second wind from heaven and a new sound from the trumpet 
Aslan on the move mean for us? Here, where we are, in Manchester, where we work, in the streets, in our families, in our nation. I imagine, you see, as I go around, people frozen, defeated, locked in. If you've seen the film, you know there's this, they've been trapped, they've been stuck by the, the queen, the spiritual enemy has, has locked them in place and, it's, and people are like that. Their hearts, they seem to be disinterested. They seem to be hard. They seem to be, you know people, I know people, who it seems it looks like they're impossible to reach. How could, how could they change? I don't know if that person could ever change. Until Aslan breathes on them. That's it. That's all they need. They just need Aslan to breathe on them. They just need the, the second wind. They need God to come and warm them up and thaw them out and melt their hearts. And he can do it. I know he can do it. You know how he can do it? He did it with me. Anybody else? And the academy guys, they go out. They've been out this week. They're going to go out again next week. And they're going out and they're handing out bottles of water. Freshers week. And before, hopefully, some young people just go and ruin their lives completely and mess it up in their first couple of weeks here in Manchester they're going to, they're going into the battle that's what's happening if we could again if we could see what's really going on in the spiritual realm people are encountering the king and his kingdom and and the people the fact that these people are coming out to them and bringing the love of Jesus to them in a in a plastic bottle or a bag of sweets and or whatever it looks like might look strange might look like what are they doing but actually it's making it very hard for them to ignore the fact that there is a king and there is a kingdom and there is a God and that he loves them and it is reaching out to them. Every single one of those encounters matters. And you never know what God's going to do through it. So I, I'm saying it, there's a new sound coming from heaven over us. There is the second wind. The winter is past. It's time for us to hear and catch a new vision to arise and shine. It's time for us to arise and start to announce that the, the, our king has come. The kingdom has come. It's time to wake up to the truth that we can participate more and more in what he's doing because Jesus is here and there's a move of God in this church, in this city, and it's in us. Some people are waiting for a move of God. He's waiting for a move of people. The people of God. It's time to draw near to Jesus, to be, get more and more intimately acquainted to our King, to align yourself with his cause, to take your place and make your stand. Because as the story unfolds, Aslan's followers, sons and daughters of Adam, that's all they are, nothing special about these children, but they're confronted with what the decision to follow the King really means. And actually what it means is they're in a fight. There's a battle going on. And you can write down that there's three levels, if you want to, of kingdom encounter. Three ways we participate with King Jesus and his kingdom. And again, you can see them really clearly in C.S. Lewis. Lewis's story. There's kingdom encounter, kingdom alignment, and kingdom assignment. Briefly going to talk about those things. These are the levels. And they are levels. You, got, you, you can't bypass it. You can't just get to the end of it. Some people just want an assignment, and they've not had an encounter, and they're not aligned. And they won't end up with God's assignment. They'll just be on their own. Number one, kingdom encounter. Have you come tonight? Did you come tonight expecting a kingdom encounter or did you just want to come to church? One passage that we've kept coming back to over and over in these evenings is that Jesus came 
announcing as the king that the kingdom had come. In Mark chapter 1 verse 15 he said, The time has come, the kingdom of God has drawn near. Repent, change your mind and believe the good news. In other words he's saying, I'm here now. So kingdom has come. Prepare yourself, there's an encounter. And that, that word encounter is all tied up with the idea there's a confrontation. It's like a sudden, wow I didn't know you were here. I came in the back and uh, Katie was over, you know, leaning over the computer and I went, hello! And she went, ah! <laughs> it was like, you know, you know that, that's what we're talking about. It's like a surprising sudden, oh, you're here. I didn't know you were here. Kingdom encounter happens whenever somebody is confronted with the reality of Jesus, of who he actually is. People fell down before him. Even his best friend John fell down as one dead when he saw the glory of Jesus being revealed. When he felt his presence, his regal reality, his kingship. But that wasn't always good. You read the Gospels and you see there's all kinds of people who would look at Jesus and say, who is this guy anyway? Who is he to be going around saying these things? Who made you king? How come he's the rabbi? Where did he get this authority from? But then... They saw encounter taking place. They saw the evidence. It wasn't just the words. Divine interventions were taking place all the time. Things happened that were only explainable by the power of God. Signs, wonders, healings, miracles. They could see and they could hear the gospel message. And that's what I'm praying in this next season we get more and more of. Encounters, stories of breakthrough of things that are only explainable by the power of the Holy Spirit coming and being right here. In the Gospels, when Jesus went out, he preached and they said it was as one with authority. He exercised authority, authority over demons, over disease, over the laws of nature because he made them, because he was the king of them, because the king had come and he does what he wants because he's the king. And then in John chapter 20, it says Jesus came to his disciples post-resurrection and he said to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, see, I'm sending you. And he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And then he breathed again, a second wind. When? Pentecost. Pentecost was the second wind. And you know what? We'll keep on sending the wind as long as we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit so we can go on and do even greater things. And he said that that's what they would do and they did it. That's amazing, isn't it? He said, you're going to go and do even greater things than I've done. And they did. They did shadow miracles. Like people didn't want to, oh, hang on, let's get, get Peter, step left, step right. Now you're in the right place. Healing in the shadow. Me and my shadow. It's like healing. Hanky healings. Paul, send your hanky. These people aren't well. Oh, all right. And, and they laid that hanky on them and they were healed. Jesus never did that. Did he? But they did it why don't we do it? I'm going to start sending hankies out. <laughs> well, maybe not. But 
I want to raise my level of expectation from encounter. I want to pray for more people. Because when we pray for more people, more people get healed. Next thing is kingdom alignment. Luke 9 verse 23, Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. And this word alignment came to me. I was thinking about when I was in the police cadets, before they ever let me be in the police, you spent ages doing this stuff called drill where you would learn to line up. That's basically what you did. You didn't decide, I'm going to go over here and walk over here and walk over there and do what I want. It was like, no, you stand next to him and you stand still until you're told to march. And then you march that way. And then when we say go left, you go left. And when you say go right, you go right. And when you say stop, you halt. And then when we say about turn, you about turn. You don't just get to make your own way up. If you do, you're going to have a guy called a drill sergeant and they're not pleasant. <laughs> but it was... Why, why would they do that to you? I'll tell you why they do it. Because then when you're in the fight, you could be relied upon to do what you needed to do and what other people alongside you needed to do, not just what you felt like doing. Because you'd learned to line yourself up. You would stand there and you would look, that's the first thing you did. You get in line like that and you look and you go like that. And you look along the line. And you made sure, there's no, there's no lines marked there, you would make sure you're... You were all lined up. And if you weren't, you were in trouble. Alignment. Who are you aligned alongside? There's too many Christians who just want to be off on their own doing something. That's a really bad idea in the middle of a battle. To be on your own. Who are you next to? Who's next to you? Kingdom alignment, it would appear, is not automatic. It's a choice. Jesus said, follow me. And I can say, yeah, I want to choose to follow Jesus and be his disciple, but actually whether I'm aligned is going to show up in my actions, in my attitudes, in my decision-making. When, when I line my life up, when I submit to his will and his ways and his word, in the end it will be noticeable. Because if you're the guy who's standing out of line, in the end people are going to notice that. See, when you look through the Gospels, not everybody who had an encounter aligned themselves with Jesus. A lot of people had the encounter and they got healed. Remember, there was 10 people got healed. Only one of them even came back and said, thank you. Some people just like legged it with their healing, didn't even come back. Some people said, I've got really important things to do. I've got a funeral to plan. I've got a field to plough. Not yet. They wouldn't align themselves. And some people aligned. And they stepped out of line. And then they stepped back into line. Because nobody gets it perfect. But this is not a one-off decision. That's why he said daily. We miss that bit. Don't tell me you took up your cross in 1977 at the Billy Graham whatever it was. What about today? You have an encounter, you get an alignment. And when you're aligned, you get positioned. You get positioned for purpose. Because when you encounter the king, after alignment, you get an assignment. After alignment, you're ready for an assignment, a kingdom assignment. That means God has got a particular role and tasks and purposes for you to do. He doesn't want anybody else to do. 
He doesn't want the person sitting next to you to do it. He doesn't want to give it to them. He wants to give it to you. There's things that he's got for you. And I'll show you from the Bible that in a minute. Your kingdom assignment is your chance and your choice to courageously join in with Jesus in the extension of his kingdom. That's what the Pevensey children were called to do and to be a part of, to become royal sons and daughters of the king, to get to exercise authority in his name and fight alongside him for his glory. In, in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John see a lame man outside the temple and they say, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And he does. you remember the story? And the people crowd around and they start saying, wow, you guys are amazing. What, you know, how did you do that? And they, they were like, well, it wasn't us. It was Jesus. We're just carrying out our assignments. We're here, we're doing the king's orders, the king's commands. In chapter 3, verse 16, they say, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man who you see and know has been made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given him the complete healing in your presence. So we came tonight for a kingdom encounter, didn't we? Have we had one yet? Anybody had a kingdom encounter yet? I think I have. I want more of them. And every time they happen, I want to align myself. I want to bring myself into that place of saying, Lord, I just want to be used by you. I'll do what you want me to do. And if you can use anybody, you can use me. And I don't want to be in charge of my own script. I'll take up my cross, whatever it looks like, today. And then, when we're in that place, if you're wondering what the will of God for your life is, that's it. Submission. When you get submission, you're going to get a mission. When he gets submission, he'll give you a mission. You don't have to worry about that. It'll happen. When we're ready for our assignment, then we're ready to live on purpose. We're living on the purposes of the king. We can go about the king's business. And we can go everywhere as ambassadors for Christ, as representatives of Jesus, as agents of kingdom encounter, carriers of the presence of God, wherever we go. Alan and Jan, Zoe's mum and dad were telling us today about a guy called Derek. He used to be my, my old vicar many years ago. And I remember, I'd not been a Christian very long, I was in the police and, and we had this, he was a little guy. And, and uh, he looked like a vicar and everything. You know, he looked jaw a vicar is Derek. But he was an amazing, little, powerful man of God. And uh, I was saying, I, you know, I remember this, we talked about it. I'm probably in ministry in massive amounts of time because of him. Because he took me to go and go for meetings with the bishop. I didn't even want to go. And he was like, I'll drive you. Because like, you could see something in me. And he was like, I'll take you for this interview. I don't want an interview. You, we're going to go. And Because he, he, he saw something, because he was hearing God. And in Hadfield, near Glossop, people said, Derek never said, but people said he'd raised the dead. That was the rumour about Derek. That, in, that, you know, mighty man of God. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Who knows that verse? The message version of that says this. We neither make ourselves nor save ourselves. No such thing as a self-made person. God does both the making and the saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus, like he recreates you, to join him in the work he does. The good work he has already for us to do. He's got some good work already for us. What's your assignment tomorrow? 
What's it going to be? We'll never really realise our potential if we don't discover our purpose. And we'll never do that if we don't align ourselves according to God's word and his plan for our lives. Your potential and your purpose are perfectly related because God never requires you to do anything that he didn't already provide for you the means to be able to do it. Did you know that? You might feel like I haven't got enough. You've got what you need. You'll get what you need as you need it. You might feel like, well, I haven't got enough, etc. You know, every builder, before they start a project, don't they figure out, Jesus even talks about this, the materials that they're going to need in advance. Don't they see what the, have I, are we going to have enough to be able to do this? What resources are available? God's a builder. If God gives you an assignment, he already got ready what you need to do it. You might not have it yet. That's why it's called faith. He will get you the resources to get what he wants done. You might not see them coming, but hang on. There's a truck backing up, coming down the street. It will be there on time. And this verse is your guarantee for your assignments. God will never require something of you that he didn't provide for. For every assignment, he has prepared in advance the provision, the skills, the people, the help, the partnerships, the talents, and the abilities for the good works that he's prepared for you to do. And if you're like, well, I don't know, it's like, well, maybe you need to ask him, am I doing the right things? Am I doing your things? Am I aligned around your things or am I just doing my things? Because when you discover what to do, he'll show you how to do it. And you'll, you don't get to decide your purpose, you have to discover your purpose. And when you do that, everybody around you will discover your potential. And your potential will be way bigger than just you. My potential is way bigger than me, thank God. My potential is a billion times bigger than me. You've not even seen, I've not even seen a little bit of my potential being realised. And then I love, we're going to live a life. I want to live a life where over and over I get to say, mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. You gave me an assignment. What's next, God? I finished that one. I'm ready for my next one. Would you stand? How much of your kingdom potential is the world seeing right now? Because God is doing a new thing and wrapping it all up. There is a new sound over you this is a new year what do you need to fulfill your potential and to call upon your life ask him even if you don't know all of what it is and actually ask him for something ask him for something big ask him for a, a big assignment if you want to it's not all that big to him but something that seems big to you that you know you can't do and then when it happens you'll say, oh yeah, that must have been God. Because I could never, ever have done that. Don't allow the opponents that stand against you to slow you down. Don't let the obstacles that clutter your path or the expectations of other people discourage you or send you on any more detours or you'll never complete the assignments tonight. If you've had enough of just letting life happen to you, in this new year, this new season of the Spirit, 
so that you wake up tomorrow and say, Lord, I'm ready. I want to encounter your kingdom. I align myself around your purposes, around your kingdom. I'm seeking first your kingdom. What matters most to you is going to matter more and more and most to me. I'm taking up my cross. I'm following you. Then I'm ready. Trust me with the assignment that's so big it's going to need your provision for the vision. Aslan's on the move tonight. Aslan's on the move. Is anybody moving with him? We're aligning ourselves with him. Just go back to that video, that picture. The battle raging. It's a scary place to be. But we've got the Lion of Judah. He's a winner. Years ago, going to Africa, into Kenya. Next week, we've got a speaker who does amazing things in Kenya. And they, the church there just used to sing a song. He's a winner. He's a winner. Jesus is the winner. <laughs> yeah. He's a winner. He's a winner. Jesus is the winner. Lord, I align myself with you. You always lead us in triumphant procession in Christ. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.